In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is the angel to the shepherds. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is from Isaiah the prophet, as we heard today in today's gospel. For 35 days now, we have been in something the church calls the Nativity Fast. And like the fast, the great fast, before Pascha, we recognize it as a time of preparation, a time of repentance, and a time to prepare ourselves to receive something. And this time, likewise, has been set aside for us as a time to prepare to receive something. What is it that we're supposed to receive now in this We are to try to grasp the fact of the Incarnation. Now, the Incarnation is a big word that we use, and this word just means that God himself took on flesh and became a man. Now, it's quiet in here today, much more quiet than our tradition has been during the sermon. And it's a quiet season. This year, this, this nativity fast has perhaps been somewhat quieter. Many of us are looking forward to a Christmas celebration, a celebration of nativity that will be much quieter than usual. We may not be traveling. The hustle and bustle that so typifies the season has been quenched a bit by the realities of our world. And this is a wonderful and beautiful opportunity. I tried to listen to some Christmas music on the radio the other day, and my entire drive from the church to home had not one Christmas song that mentioned Christ or the true meaning of Christmas. Not one in 25 minutes. So this season, where we perhaps are hearing less of that radio Christmas music, where we are having a quieter season, I would like to invite you all to this week, if you haven't already been engaged in this, to really and truly contemplate the nativity of our Lord. Just what does this mean? We are invited in this season to really to comprehend, or at least to experience, the totally incomprehensible. Who is this child that we celebrate? It is my hope that from now until Christmas, we can slow down, we can savor this gift of this season, the gift that is the Christ child. Now, for over a month, we've been singing the Kentuckian for Christmas, for the, for the four feast, and it is filled with 
amazing, incomprehensible statements. And it is one of my favorite Christmas hymns. On this day, the Virgin comes to the cave to give birth to God the Word. Think of it. The Virgin comes to give birth. Incomprehensible. And to who? The eternal Word of God, who was before all the ages. The second line. Dance for joy, O earth, on hearing the gladsome tidings with the angels and the shepherds now glorify him. We're reminded of his, of the nativity gospel and the experience of the angels and the shepherds. Our God has become flesh who is willing to be gazed on as a young child who before the ages is God. There are many things that I could have chosen to talk about today, but I chose to focus on just one thing. And that is for us to try to wrap our heads around the reality of the Incarnation. Who is it that has come to us? Who is it that has been born of a virgin and presented himself to the world as a vulnerable little child? I stumbled across a verse from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, and he seemed to answer this question. Brethren, we give thanks to God the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us, speaking of the one who is incarnate on Christmas. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and has transferred to us the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities and authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This is he who has condescended, God of all, to come and take his place amongst us to enter humanity and partner with us in this life. The unknowable God became a man, became a, became a baby. The unknowable God did this so that we could know him. And not only so that we could know him, but so that we could be like him grow to be more and more like him. Now sometimes these incomprehensible ideas are worth simplifying. And I came across a story years and years ago. I don't remember how long ago it was, but it moves me every time that I remember it or that I uh, read it. Now, this was written by a man named Paul Harvey. 
He's not an orthodox theologian. Some of you guys may remember him. He was a news announcer through the maybe, 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. Had a very long career. And at the end of the day, he would often have, of the evening news, he would often have something called the rest of the story. And this is a story that he once told on the news. The man to whom I'm going to introduce you was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men, but he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff, which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife on Christmas Eve, but I'm not going to, to church with you this Christmas Eve. He said he would feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather stay at home, that he would wait up for them. And so he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier, and then went back to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound. Then another, then another. Sort of a thump or a thud. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against his living room window. When he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter had tried to fly through his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it. Quickly, he put on a coat, galoshes, and tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on the light. The birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them, so he hurried back to the house. He fetched breadcrumbs, sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the bread the crumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them to the barn by walking around them, waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction, except into the warm, lighted barn. And then he realized that they were afraid of him. To them he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I am not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Because any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They would just not follow. They could not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and mingle with them, and speak their language. Then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to safe, warm, to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see, hear, and understand. At that moment, the church bells ring and the sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there listening to the bells. 
listening to the bells, feeling the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. I don't know exactly why I'm always moved by this, but I'm reminded of a saying of St. Sophronia. He said that healings and such are not the great miracles. And he had seen many of those by his prayers. He said the truly greatest miracles are when the heart of man becomes open to the truth of God. And in this story, we see that a man, in a tangible way, was able to grasp a thing that he had rejected. That God himself, a truly terrifying and awesome figure, condescended to become a man. It is God's great love for us that he condescended, came down, and entered into our humanity. And I don't want to skip over the beautiful gospel reading we had today. While it is long and there are many names and it's easy for our minds to wander during it, the genealogy of Christ points us to his incarnation. That his incarnation was not some latter-day thought. Some plan, he goes, oh, I think I'll do this now that nothing else has worked. It was his plan from the beginning. And through the lives of these names, many of which we recognize their stories in scripture, many of whom we recognize as being, first, not Jewish, some of them being involved in great sins, murder, adultery, and other things, we see that it is through these people that he became incarnate. Through the Virgin Mary, in the fullness of time, he entered into everything human about us, except our sin, and became a man for our salvation. Now, some of you may know people or may yourselves be into genealogy. You know that you, personally, have a genealogy. And you have ancestors, and you have a spiritual genealogy as well. You have people who influenced people, who influenced people, who influenced you. And somehow the gospel has come down to you. And so in the same way that God has, through the genealogy of the Jews, worked out the salvation of mankind through his holy incarnation, so Christ has worked out his incarnation in you. And it is, it is his desire to be born anew in your heart, this nativity and every nativity. So how shall we truly, this week, in the short time that we have before our celebration of Christian, Christmas, how can we truly contemplate this incarnation? The fact that Christ became a man and that Christ is willing to be born by his Holy Spirit in us. Now we've already had an opportunity to slow down. But still, we can be quieter. We can pray that the light of Christ will illumine us, that we will not be distracted by so many other things this season offers. That we can in this time reach out to Christ who reached out to us 
we can try to be more like him. We can give alms to the poor. We can find out ways in which we can help and share the love of Christ. For unto us a child has been given, and this child has been given to us so that we might know him, and so that we might give him to others. So let us take the time to quiet ourselves and to have the light of Christ be born anew in us in this season.